Georgia's DBHDD has an urgent health warning. One of every 10 counterfeit pills contain fentanyl, a powerful and very deadly drug. Pills from friends or dealers are unsafe, and one pill can cause an overdose. More info at opioidresponse.info. This is Georgia Today. I'm Steve Fennessy. It's Friday, December 18th, 2020. We have a lot of things on the plate in front of us, and I just want to be a unifier, a person who can help us get some things done on behalf of the least of these, as Congressman Lewis would. Today, our guest is Kwanzaa Hall, a congressman whose term of office is precisely one month. Why so short? Hall was elected to serve out the remainder of John Lewis's term after the civil rights icon died in July of cancer. Hall's well-known in Atlanta, He was a three-term city council member and ran in 2017 unsuccessfully for mayor. Today, he talks about what it's like to represent Georgia's 5th Congressional District, even as the clock ticks until the day he must turn the seat over to Nakima Williams, who voters chose in November to succeed Lewis in the next Congress. Congressman Hall, um, are you ready to go? Yes, I am. So um, how does it feel to be called congressman? You know... I hit the ground running so fast, I haven't even really thought about it. And frankly and honestly, (laughs) all the time I was elected, many people would confuse council and Congress. (laughs) So they always said that about me, especially like in the neighborhood. This is our congressman. This is our congressman. So I've always been kind of called congressman. Uh, It's it's interchange for councilmen. Well, from their lips to uh, the voters' ears, I guess, right? Yeah, but it was a true promotion. I didn't expect it, and I'm humbled and feel very, very privileged to be here. Definitely been planned to be running for Congress in this year and after having had COVID, but, you know, a lot of things aligned, and, and I'm thankful to be here. How are you feeling? I'm much better. I mean, I don't have heavy lingering part that many people talk about. When I sat at home by myself with COVID, and, you know, struggling through that for about three weeks, hard three weeks, uh, right in, in, you know, right before Congressman Lewis passed away. That was the moment that I think, you know, God was spending some time with me and getting my attention because there was no one who could help me in that moment. There was no one who could solve for, you know, the ailment. There's no doctor. There's no medicine I could take. I just had to endure. Yeah. And then, you know, I got a call or two about, you know, Congressman Lewis's position coming up. I was like, almost slammed the phone down on somebody calling me about running for office. And I was like, are you serious? And then a week or so later, they announced that there was going to be another a special election as well to complete John Lewis's term. And I was like, really? Today, it is the people of Atlanta's turn to say goodbye to the man who represented them in Congress for more than three decades. The funeral is being held at Atlanta's famed Ebenezer Baptist Church, where Martin Luther King Jr. and Sr. once preached. When I was watching his funeral, I, I had a moment when I reflected upon how much people such as Congressman Lewis, my father, and many, many others had given to make it possible for me to have the life that I have. It was almost like I got a sign that I hadn't, I wasn't, really done. I hadn't completed my assignment. There was more work for me to do, especially in light of what had happened in June and July with the protests. Then I got the signal that there's justice work that needs to be done right now. 
Well, let's uh, let's go back in time and talk a little bit about about how about the road that, that led you here. Um, you're in Congressman John Lewis's fifth district, of course. Um, when did you first meet John Lewis? What's your earliest memory of of him? Earliest memory, probably, you know, in our neighborhood. And my dad stopping by and we're in the car and he's going by to see his friend, John, and or they were at our house. He and his wife, Lillian, were at our house. My dad had and my mom and dad had parties and social events all the time. So many times, you know, the kind of organizers and the social justice, civil rights people would be over there. And I think it was in one or two occasions like that that I kind of remember and they lived up the street. And then there's a picture that it was in the video that I had with my campaign, which is me on my dad's shoulders with Congressman Lewis at a voter education retreat that they sponsored uh, through the voter education project. Um, they worked together on stuff. That was what we saw as kids. These, these so they they were definitely comrades and, and good friends and soldiers in something. This social justice stuff, and all I know is people beat them up. Police beat them up, and. They were fighting for justice. And that was what we, we grew up in the shadows and, and earshot of those kinds of conversations around the table as kids and under the table or pulling their hair, doing something like that. I'd like to talk more about Congressman Lewis. Last year, not long before his cancer diagnosis was announced, he talked with GPB about how he wants to be remembered. It was my hope and, and my prayer that what I've tried to do would inspire another generation of young people and people not so young to stand up, to speak up, and to speak out, to be brave, bold, and courageous, to make our little planet better for all of us and for those that are yet to be born. What do you think when you hear that? Well, first I got a little chill because I hadn't heard his voice in a while. And it feels like an exact like overlay and template that I'm embodying. I'm, I'm doing my little part to take the baton that he was suggesting he's handing off to inspire the next generation of young and not so young people just to empower people. It's amazing to me when I go back to rural Alabama where I grew up, uh, travel through the state of Georgia or other parts in the South, I feel like we're more than lucky. We are blessed to see all of these smart young people on the move. And many of the people that, that are not so young, they're moving with change. They want to help the South redeem. They want to make the South a better place. It felt like his spirit had just hit me. And I really know that he sacrificed so much for us. He was a man of principle. He was a giving, caring, kind, gentle spirit. And he never had a want. And as soon as I just kind of let go and try to just be free and, and live like kind of the way that I saw Congressman Lewis being as a person, things just work out. And, and, and I didn't understand, but when I walk around Congress and I had to go through all the things to get, you know, sworn in and, and navigate 
the first week of figuring out how to make that time the most effective, that precious time, the most effective time on behalf of the citizens and in continuance of the legacy that Congressman Lewis left us and inspired me to run to hold the, the mantle for and to pass off to another young leader. It's an awesome, awesome feeling, but also an awesome responsibility. With his term so short, Kwanzaa Hall doesn't get a congressional office. That means doing business in some odd places, like the cafeteria. That's ahead. This is Georgia Today. If you like hearing the news from around the state here on Georgia Today, you'll probably like hearing how Georgia's agriculture economy feeds the country and the world on a fork in the road. I'm David Zelsky, and on the Fork in the Road podcast, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Find it online at gpb.org podcasts or download it on your favorite podcast platform. This is Georgia Today. I'm Steve Fennessy. I'm speaking with Democratic Congressman Kwanzaa Hall. On December 1st, Hall won a runoff to fill out the remaining term of John Lewis, who died over the summer. Hall, who's serving just a month, was sworn in December 3rd by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. When those results were communicated to the Speaker's office, then the process for the swearing-in could begin. Got communication with the Speaker's office. They said, how soon can you be here? I said, I'll be there tonight. So that was Wednesday night. I flew up. Get there first thing in the morning, 9 nine o'clock to the Capitol, and I have to go through getting my briefing, my badge, my paperwork needs to be completed for, you know, being in the system. There's about four or five offices that we had to engage with to get through the process. Then went to the floor of Congress in Capitol Hill. I come in, and I'm standing there, we, we pledge allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, individuals, with liberty and justice for all. And then the speaker opens it. Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic? that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office to which you are about to enter. So help you God. Congratulations, you are now a member of the 116th Congress. She allows the senior gentleman from the Democratic side from Georgia Stanford Bishop to speak, who welcomed me. His election means that the people of the 5th Congressional District of Georgia in Atlanta will be represented and have a voice during this lame duck session of the 116th Congress as we debate and hopefully enact, among other things, the FY 2021 Appropriations Bill, funding the operations of the federal government, and much-needed COVID-19 relief. And then also we had 
a senior representative from the Republican side of Georgia, Bob Woodall, to speak as well. I wonder how many of my colleagues uh, would put in the kind of time and effort that we all put in to get reelected uh, to provide a voice, uh, not for two years, uh, not even for, for 12 months, uh, but, uh, but for the remainder of a, of a cycle. Uh, it speaks to the character uh, of Mr. Hall and it speaks uh, to his commitment uh, to the 5th District of Georgia that he put himself out there and uh, committed himself, as he did throughout that campaign cycle, to be that voice. And then I got 90 seconds to speak to address the body as well. Madam Speaker, to my colleagues from Georgia, other colleagues in the House, I'm Kwanzaa Hall and I'm so thankful to be here today. New Congress members never get that much time because usually you're coming in with a class of 50 or 100 people. Right. You know, or 70 people or something. They were like, wow, you got you got a whole 90, 90 seconds. <laughs> we rolled right up there and I just spoke from my heart. 90 seconds. How much can you say in 90 seconds? We have a lot of things on the plate in front of us. And I just want to be a unifier, a person who can help us get some things done on behalf of the least of these as Congressman Lewis would. So thank you all for having me. Thank you to my mother, my father, who's not with us, to the congressmen who've come before me, Weiss Fowler and Ambassador Andrew Young. Thank you, Speaker, I yield. Thank you. Thank you very much, gentlemen, from Georgia under the Clause 5D. About two hours later, we were voting. And, and even though you're there for just a month, do you get uh, benefits once you're once you're out, like, are, will you get a pension as a as a former no, congressman? No, I didn't even sign up for the benefit package because it does. It was starting. It wouldn't even be enough time of service. So there's not no packages like that, or no special perks. Or, I mean, you can one one thing that is, I'm a congressman for life, and I can come back to the floor and not vote, but I can be on the floor and I can listen and 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 move around yeah. Capitol Hill. And then the other thing is you have access to the gym if you want to pay for it. There's nothing else. I mean, it's not like I, if you serve six years, then you get your pension and benefits, but you have to serve for six years. So in terms of like, do you get health benefits? No, nothing like that. Mm -mm. Is Congress paying for your staff? Yeah, so we do have staff for about a month. I mean, if you choose to hire staff. Okay. And I have staff in Atlanta and staff in, in D.C. It's taken a minute to get everybody on board it, but we're focused on just a couple of things, dealing with, you know, the legislative process and then deliver um, my talking points related to issues that matter to me or matter to constituents. And then on the other side, the district office, I have a few members of Congressman Lewis's staff to have transition and to help to ease the transition for for um, Nakima Williams as well. And then there's people in the office focused on dealing with the constituent issues for the 700,000 person districts. But here's another challenge with constituent service. The big areas are immigration and SBA and IRS and disability affairs and veterans affairs, you know, stimulus related stuff. So those are where the big questions are and concerns are. There's outgoing agency heads, there's an outgoing administration. So we're kind of in limbo in terms of who really is going to be responsible for some of these longer life cycle of constituent concerns, but we're capturing them all. And then we're going to share them with the various potential 
current owners and future owners. And of course, we'll hand them off to Congresswoman-elect Nakima Williams as well. So you don't get an office, is that right? No, there's a working space where the departing members are. Um, and so, and there's very few of them there, so I could use that space, but I've been welcomed by Sanford Bishop. I stayed, worked out of his office one day, and then with Clyburn allowed me to use his working space. He has two spaces, so one of them is near the, the floor, and so you can kind of hang out there and get some work done. It's a big space, it's not a little space. And then I also have worked in the Democratic Caucus chair space. So there's like different different anterooms that pretty much are like very nice offices. We took a little space in the cafeteria, which is probably one of the best places to me to operate from because we're grant we're central to everything. And um, so all I've roads got all roads go through the cafeteria. <laughs> they sure do. Um, and in in COVID times, you know, of course, there's a stringent social distancing at the Capitol. There's a maximum telework mandate, so they're trying to get everyone to telework and not be around the building. And with the challenges that we have with voting, you just don't know exactly, you know, when things are going to going to go. So they just say, so generally they say, whether it be the speaker or a majority leader, be prepared for a flexible schedule. So you just kind of leave your schedule open. And you get a text message on the app, and it tells um, an app message that says, "Okay, voting will begin at 4:30." And voting happens in waves, so you don't all go. We don't all go to the floor to vote together. They don't want everyone in the room at the same time. We would exceed the the social distancing requirement. So it's a very different process, slightly slower. Right. The window opens up longer uh, for voting which has given me a little more time to be prepared for giving my one minute address that I can do every day. So I try to speak every day to put my items on the record. The gentleman from Georgia is recognized for one minute. Mr. Speaker, I rise today to discuss the public health pandemic that ravages our nation. As COVID-19 I rise today to speak about wealth in black homes and businesses. According to the Brookings Institute, the net worth of a typical white Mr. Speaker, I rise today to draw the chamber's attention to critical needs for Georgia's 5th Congressional District. I know it's the longer we go, the more time I have to present things to, to the body and to the public. How can you get those through? I mean, you, you are a, you're, you're not, only, not only are you a freshman congressman, but you're, you're a freshman congressman who's only going to be there for, you know, till January 3rd. So, so how does that uh, how much sway do you have? Don't have necessarily a lot of sway, but you have to put good ideas on the table. You must do that when you have the opportunity. I'm using every every power that I have to move the agenda forward that I know that or that I believe Congressman Lewis would stand for. And the first one is a piece of legislation, the John Lewis Prompt and Accurate Reporting of Elections Act. John Lewis Perea is what it's called. And this calls on any state or municipal government that receives federal funds to be required to report and be complete with their early vote counts and mail-in absentee early votes before the elect the final election. I just want to make sure I understand the legislation. You're you're saying that um uh, your legislation would require those electoral bodies to tabulate the early voting results, but but not disclose them in advance of an election. 
Yes, and not to delay in the reporting of them. So at least to have them tabulated and complete before the actual election day. So we don't have kind of the things that happen around the country um, happening again with everyone holding these vote counts until weeks after the election. Yeah. I do have another piece of legislation that speaks to not disenfranchising uh, re-entering citizens mm -hmm. uh, who are coming out of the, the penal system and allowing for them to participate in the voting and election process sooner rather than later. And so that's one that's out there. And then I'll also introduce a bill that will hold police accountable for misconduct, uh, which will offer a constitutional amendment to close the exception in the 13th Amendment, allowing forced labor for those accused of a crime. And then there's legislation that I've signed on to related to reparations, related to health, care about five on health care, two on housing, two on law enforcement. So I've got, you know, I've, I've signed on to quite a number of bills. I think it looks like it's like 14 or 15 bills I've signed on. There's a significant body of work that I've had a chance to be a part of, and I, I'm thankful and enjoying that there's a clock that's counting down because it forces a high degree of urgency. I'm curious what it's like to walk around those halls in the position that you're in and seeing running into congressmen uh, and congresswomen from all over. Is there anyone that you've struck up a relationship with? Um, Buddy Carter, Republican, and I bumped into each other. We have mutual friends, and he stayed in my council district whenever he came up as a state elected official before he became a congressman. But then he signed on the the bill, you know, so you're talking to someone and then you see them in the news and he signed on for the the the, the lawsuit that came out of Texas. Texas lawsuit against Georgia and other battleground states had the support of over 100 Republican members of Congress, including Georgia Congressman Buddy Carter and Rick Allen. Gray TV spoke with Congressman Carter about why he supported that lawsuit against his own state. Whether you're a Republican, Democrat, or an independent, you want the same thing. We all want the same thing. We want honest, fair, transparent elections. You know, so, so it's kind of interesting to see who's where, but still, it doesn't stop me from having a conversation with the person. Yeah. Right. You, you know, having at least a human to human interaction. And then, you know, seeing Steny Hoyer and Marsha Fudge, she and I were at the cafeteria. And then the news came out that she was about to be the uh, secretary. We begin with big news for Ohio's 11th district and its congresswoman, Marsha Fudge. NBC News reports Congresswoman Fudge is headed to the incoming Biden administration as secretary of housing and urban development. No word We're talking at that moment. All in all, I felt welcomed. I feel there's an urgency and people are seem to be pretty ecstatic that I hit the ground running and am doing things like giving my, my speeches every day and that I am uh, contributing, trying to help be helpful. I'm on time. I'm not, you know, dilly-dallying around and, you know, just really about it. I, that's what I feel back from, from everyone. They thought I might, you know, sometimes you get a new person, they kind of sit timidly and don't know what to do and kind of don't make moves and especially with it being such a short period. But I'm like, every second I get, I'm going to use it, you know, for the purposes that I said I was coming here for. 
Our thanks to Kwanzaa Hall, who represents Georgia's 5th Congressional District, for two more weeks. Even though we asked him what his political plans were going forward, after all, there is a mayoral election in Atlanta next year, Hall said that all his energy is focused on the job he has now. I'm Steve Fennessy. This is Georgia Today, a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. Our producer is Sean Powers. Eva Rothenberg is our intern. You can subscribe to our show anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.